Welcome to the Protectors Podcast. I think we are on episode 450-something. It's a lot of episodes. I'm yeah. excited to, to have these guys on. I was on their podcast, I Left Greg, not that long ago. Great conversations. Greg Williams, Brian Marin, welcome to the show. Thanks, Thank thanks so for much. having us on, man. It was great having talking to you. We got some great feedback for when you were on yep. our episode, and people people liked it. They kind of got where we were going with, and um, they appreciated your your uh, um, insight. Oh, actually, that reminds me. We'll, we'll talk offline, but I do have someone that might want to reach out to you some some questions about something. So we'll, we we can get into that later. But I just it's remember. not an attorney. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's not. Hey, that's good. I'm like, hey, you know, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. <laughs> yeah. You're being served, Jason. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just meet me. Listen, this is, I'm in a I'm an undisclosed location somewhere in the United States um, in a bunker, so they can't find <laughs> it. There's no way. But you know that is one thing about your podcast. It's very in depth, very thorough. You guys do your research before you have a guest on. You have a lot of like relevant discussions about what's going on today. Where did the concept for a, a podcast come for you both? And how did you link up to do a podcast? Obviously, you have the business oh, acumen together, but yeah, that's how? such a great question. So first of all. Kudos to you because we absolutely love your podcast and I suggest it uh, everywhere I go. And and that's not just a, a chat. Uh, one of the episodes you did was with Dale Dye. Uh, we're fanboys of Dale. Uh, Todd Fox, we're fanboys. Uh, Peter Forcelli, the, the ATF guy. Uh, so you do a lot of great stuff and the, the Protectors uh, episodes, we're just honored to be on there. So specifically to answer the first part of that question, Marin and I travel all the time. And in addition uh, uh, to, you know, being a business partner and senior VP of operations and a great friend and a lover and all the other things that Brian has become over the years. That's a joke, but it's a good one uh, for those that know us. Uh, uh, what happens is that Brian and I are trapped in a rental car a hotel, uh, uh, you know, in the hallway before we go on in the green room. And we have these discussions sometimes. And when we joked all the time that, listen, we should capture some of this. This is wonderful stuff. And uh, because I'm com completely deaf and Brian's only partially deaf, Brian's always driving the sled, you know, the rental sled. And so we would have the discussions and it would go these tangential uh, places because I thought he was saying one thing and he was saying something totally different. And it's like, well, Brian said one day, you know, you have no idea what it's like being left to Greg. And that's also a play on the Left of Bang book, the best after action review that's ever been written about uh, uh, the work that I did. So Brian, you know, came up with it and, and I'll, I'll pass the baton because Brian actually came up with the title, uh, the concept, and he's the one that chooses all the guests. Am I pretty close on that, Brian? Yeah, I mean that was basically the concept. It was it's our it's kind of like our conversations we have in the car, and then it started with obviously the the take. You know, I'm I'm driving, so I'm sitting in the left side of Greg, and his left hear is hearing out of his left side is worse than his right. So it's like these conversations will go for five minutes, and I'll look at him and go, "Wait, what?" And he'll look at me like, "What the hell are you talking about?" <laughs> and so it was, uh, you know, we had a perfect one was in in uh, when we were actually in Ireland uh, with one of our clients over there, and we we're in Dublin, and we get we're driving to it, it was. It was an amazing trip. We take like an Uber in in the morning to their location. It's right along the River Liffey, downtown Dublin. It's beautiful. And then we kind of sort of stumble our way back at the end of the day. We'd, we'd pub crawl our way back to the hotel. Exactly. But uh, but on the way in, like, you know, this guy's explaining everything going over here saying, hey, this is the museum. And over here, we're just going to get obviously thick Irish uh, brogue, thick Irish accent. And so he's talking and the guy's like, yeah, and you know, this is the boat over here. And, you know, he was talking about people going to uh, immigrating to the United States. And I see this look on Greg's face. He's kind of shaking his head. He's doing this look around. I'm like, all right, he's on to something. And so we get out. I was like, hey, what's up, man? Everything good? He's like, hey, that guy's completely full of it i was like well, what are you talking about and he goes that boat that he was talking about there's no way that you can go catch salmon off that boat that's not a fishing boat and i said greg that was a boat from the great potato famine 
in in Ireland, they called them the famine boats where everyone immigrated over. There was no fishing going on on there. And he was like, oh my God, I feel, he's ready to like- And that's the least stupid thing that I've ever said. And I'm ready to bump chest with this guy and go toe to toe over a ridiculous hearing yeah. loss. So those but, occur very often with Brian and I. Yeah, but that that's where it came from. And then of course, it's a take on, on left of bang, um, which is, you know, Greg wrote the combat hunter program for the Marine Corps. And then a couple of Marines liked it so much, they wrote a book about it called left of bang i mean none of, none of the content in there is theirs but you know there it is so i figured hey let's let's kind of let's let's take it off there and people it'll be Poke sort of an inside joke for some people and uh so everyone kind of appreciates it and laughs at it but that's where that's where the concept came up from well the great thing about the show too it's a knowledge transfer and that's my con my belief is that podcast should be some sort of knowledge transfer a lot of times you see people, they, they pop open a podcast, they start it, they do about two or three episodes, and really just them and their buddies inside jokes the whole time. A lot of the podcasts that stay and have standing power are a knowledge transfer. People want to learn something, want to get something out of it. And that's something we're going to talk about today with, with your guys, your main focus, which is Arcadia Cognorati, is the knowledge transfer. So everybody, make sure you check out the Left Greg. Tons of great information. But the real conversation I want to have is right now, and that is about training. Training, training, training. You know, you know me. I'm coming from the military and federal government yep. background. So many different training concepts out there, and so many people. Um, not going to say fleecing the system, but just because you have a certain background doesn't make you a specific trainer. You could be an ex former blah, 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 with any three-letter agency or with, with any tier one, tier two, or tier seven group. But that doesn't necessarily mean it equates to, for one, that you can train someone, or two, that you have the ability to train, because it's a lot different having the experience and then being able to do that knowledge transfer. But the other thing is your audience. And you guys have a, a very not really specific off audience, but you do deal with different markets. So let's get into this. And what, first of all, what is Arcadia Gongarati? Yeah. So, so great question. And, and uh, I'm the king of non sequitur answers. So I'll, I'll answer just whatever way that popped up in, in my head. And I'll tell you, you hit on something, Jason, that I want to make sure that your listeners uh, caught one, uh, not everything that you learn is transferable. Uh, uh, and two, the way that the information is sticky is essential if you're trying to train somebody. I'll give you a, a very brief uh, personal example before I pass it to Brian for the Arcadia definition. Uh, so uh, my wife, uh, Shelly, our CEO, the best human behavior profile I've ever met, uh, former copper, just great, trained all the tier one people. Uh, uh, her parents are in town. Uh, unexpectedly uh, drop in for a couple of weeks, uh, but they left. So I got no, nothing to complain about and they're wonderful, but they're late eighties and they're set in their ways and things are very specific. So Lynn, the dad uh, loves cooking and right in the middle of uh, uh, shaving in the morning before coming down and handling, handling further edged weapons, he cuts himself quite significantly. And because he's on every blood thinner known to humankind, uh, uh, he's like uh, Vesuvius, you know, it's like a, a, a sprinkler shooting all over the room. So the very first thing that Shelly and I do, Shelly applies the pressure and I grab some Curlix uh, that's still in my vest, still out of my kit from, from Afghanistan. And it works perfectly. We take him over to the, the, the uh, emergency room and, and he gets uh, uh, treated. And the nurse there was like, hey, that was pretty quick thinking. And it's like, no, all good things like that come from combat. So, so the operating under stress, not being freaked out by the blood, uh, using quick clot, the actual quick clot, all of those are great things that are immediately transferable. You know what's not that transferable? Uh, an MRAP using in Kansas uh, to drive down the street to execute a SWAT team raid, uh, you know, on on a, a less than significant target. And somebody's going to say, well, how do you know? It's all, hey, I, I know what that looks like. And that bank vault with a bunch of guys with black guns uh, isn't the type of image that every city can support, right? So I just want to say that, that what we try to do is do knowledge transfer on stuff that matters. Uh, uh, the sky is blue, water's wet, uh, you know, physics, gravity, those type of things that you can use in everyday parlance that's streeted up so you don't have to study all the, the collegiate level stuff and that you can immediately apply to make yourself smarter, uh, faster and harder to kill. So, so that's my preamble. And then we turned it into a company that's called Arcadia, right? Yeah. So the name Arcadia Cognorati is kind of, it, it, it's very telling about 
how we are. So Arcadia comes from, um, you know, Arcadia back in ancient Greece, a place where a lot of really smart people hung out and thought some really deep thoughts and kind of the Greeks were a lot of the people who first kind of articulated some of the stuff and wrote it down. Now, a lot of it had existed and been there. They stole most of it and just were the ones to write it down and repeat a lot of it. Right. But, but that's where, so it's a throwback to, like Greg said, we stick to elements of human behavior and human performance, specifically cognitive performance that are universal that have stood the test of time. So I'm not going to be point to some study that came out three weeks ago that everyone's excited about, because that's junk to me. It means nothing. If it hasn't been around long enough, it's probably, it, it's not good yet. And so Arcadia, that's kind of very old and very Greek. And then Cognorati, um, well, we wanted to come up with what's a term for people who, because uh, we, we like to say we provide a think with a K, not a thing with a G, right? So what, what would be that term for the people who think about cognition and metacognition? And while there wasn't really a good word for it that went with Arcadia, so we made up Cognorati, right? Kind of like Illuminati or something, right? The Cognorati, the people who think about things. So that's Arcadia Cognorati. So very old, very Greek and something we made up. So that's the best way I think to, to do it. And, and what we really specialize in what Greg was talking about is there's universal elements of, of human behavior, human performance work, no matter where you are in the world, no matter what tribe, country, city you're in, uh, there's basic tenets of psychology and sociology and physiology and neuroscience that, that transcend uh, language. Uh, language right. has not been around very long as we know it today, uh, but humans were around a lot longer before there was language existed. So, so we were able to communicate and get along in certain ways. So we stick to those tenets that are universal so you can learn to articulate them. And a lot of them are sort of um, things you, you may know implicitly, but you can't say, right? Especially if you're law enforcement or security, you gain a lot of tacit knowledge. And when you see something, you know what it is, you know what's something up, but maybe you can't transfer that. You can't fully articulate it, but you know it when you see it. Well, we provide a lot of scientific lexicon for those things. And we call our process HBPRNA, human behavior, pattern recognition, and analysis. Well, it's a scientific term for something everyone does every day of their life, right? If you think back to when you're a little kid, um, you know, no matter who raised you, whether it's mom, dad, aunt, uncle, grandma, grandpa, neighbor down the street, when they walked in the room before they ever said a word, you knew whether they're happy, whether they're sad, where you got to go run and hide because you're going to catch a whooping, right? That's human behavior pattern recognition. You're born in a sense knowing how to do that. Now we're getting worse of that, worse you know, the younger you are, the worse you are because of just over-reliance on technology, less human interaction, right? But the A part, that analysis, um, there's not a lot of good analysis out there. And what it typically falls into is, you know, a pundit on TV talking about something and we go into something about, uh, 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 you know, well, the reason why someone would maybe want to do this. And it's a lot of just conjecture or, or narrating the TV with the sound off where we have certain principles that we stick to that we can say, well, here's the science behind that person that why here's the science behind it. And, and we don't get into maybe why people do things. It's more how and how you can identify it because humans demonstrate their intent, no matter what that intent is, you're going to demonstrate it and you can't hide it. So, so that's what we focus on those key indicators and that are universal. And we, we transfer that knowledge and, you know, people appreciate the fact that we can take the science. So, you know, rather than just reading a book and going, wow, that's cool. We're the ones who go, no, no, no. Here's how you use that. Here's what that means. All right. So I, I can give you a, a pretty good example of that, Jason. Brian and I are going to a, uh, a client in the Middle East for our government. And, and the, the reason that people hired me back in the day uh, was to find bomb makers, snipers, or insider threats. That was it. I mean, that's where Combat Hunter came from. That's where ASAT and Border Hunter and everything came from. So uh, Brian and I are going in, and we have a uh, young uh, smart, dapper lieutenant colonel that's with us, and we're having a conversation going in about Tang, the instant, instant breakfast drink. Uh, one, uh, uh, it's a fuel, and fuel plus oxygen equals heat. That's like the primary uh, uh, basis for, for explosives. And folks, I'm not uh, releasing anything that uh, everybody doesn't know and you didn't learn in high school. Uh, but Tang, it becomes a fuel because of the high sugar content that's in it. And so he interrupts us and he goes, hey, the place we're going to is Saudi Arabia. And the likelihood of anybody on the street having ever heard of Tang is very low. And I'm like, hey, some concepts are universal. So the very first place after we landed that we stopped was Giant Super Panda, which is a, a great Panda. store that you Hyper yeah. Panda that, yeah. that you find in uh, because the Super Panda is one, but Hyper Panda yeah, is Hyper even better. Yeah. Okay, and it's even bigger. And uh, we we go in there just to grab some stuff for our hotel room because we're going to do some training uh, on our coalition partners. And we go in, and this place is the size of a Walmart inside. Uh, uh, and the first aisle that we come to is Tang. 
and they had 55 gallon drums to tang all the way down to the little individual ones that you put in your water bottle. And all I did is turn to the guy and smile and, you know, get my fat head smug routine. But the idea is that works everywhere. And everybody knows that. See, if, if you have a concept like Boyd's Oodle Loop is a, is a great concept, but, but Boyd changed it constantly. And Boyd was thinking, and people are still re- trying to rewrite it. Well, how does that help me uh, in, at a swim meet? How does that help me when I'm camping, uh, light a fire? If I can't use that knowledge specifically to apply it for it, it's a great think piece. It's great when we're sitting around having a brown liquor and talking about it, but, but unless I'm a fighter pilot, I'm want not to use it. You know, how, how does that help me uh, a beat of fish at fly fishing. And those are all the types of things that we give. We give common sense tips and tricks that you can apply at every place in your life that's going to make you safer and, and harder to kill. Got a lot to unpack here. <laughs> a lot. Okay. I'm making my notes over here. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. there's one thing I want to, Greg, I want to backtrack to yeah. is like, you know, when you're talking about, you know, we're going to go to the way back machine here about four minutes, five minutes ago. When you're talking about the th- things in the 1980s are different than they are now. I yeah. mean, obviously, bleeding stoppage, completely different than the 1980s. Completely. And it's still, still, you know, when you're talking quick clot, tourniquets, and everything else, you have to adapt to the training environment. You have to adapt to technology. Yes, things work in the past. Same concepts, same learning concepts. Tactics, techniques, procedures, TTPs, you guys can all put them all down, but modernize it. We talked about trainers in the past. We talked about people who have these backgrounds who may not necessarily be training. They've been exposed to a lot of incredible training. They may be the tip of the spear. They may be the bottom of the spear. They may have an expertise in certain areas, but stale. You have to keep current on everything Absolutely. that's going on. When you talk about Quick Clock, Quick Clock came out in like what the, you know, decades ago, but it finally caught on during GWAT because of the combat applications. Mm-hmm. You always have to keep current. And that's what I like about you too. And that's why I wanted to have you on is staying current for the audience. Yeah. You don't just give a plain, like if you're going to be teaching LEOs one day and you're going to be teaching civilians the other day, it's not the same class. Right. No, no. And, and, Jason, and not let me even throw the one same at you. program, Greg, I, I just and, uh, before you, you go, because yeah. Greg wrote the Combat Hunter program for the Marine Corps and people are like, oh, is that what you teach today? We're like, no, no, no. The Combat Hunter program was the first Written iPhone. specifically for Iraq. Exactly. Well, yeah, and it's, and it's the first iPhone. If you've never seen an iPhone before, it's really Oh, you'll cool. be mesmerized. But, but, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's, it's obsolete. You can still capitalize on what worked and what didn't continue to refine and get better. And that's what I say now is like we're delivering what we teach now is the 15 and we're already working on the 16 and 17 version. Yep. And Jason, so in the late 70s, early 80s, in cop work, uh, uh, there was a thing called positional restraint hypoxia. And having uh, uh, studied physiology extensively, been a cop for a long time, had to testify in every court in the land except the Supreme Court. The idea back then was, listen, if you get a really violent person, there's no problem. Just get a gurney, put them face down on the gurney, strap them in, then you can take them in. And people were showing up dead. And they were going like, well, maybe, maybe that is a good plan, but not in this context. What happens is we get such tunnel vision on what's right in front of us, and we don't use those applications in the future. It's like handguns can't get better than they are right now. Uh, rifles can't get better. The aim point and this, uh, uh, all these other things. So stop relying on that and go back to your stance and your grip. Uh, go back, like, uh, uh, how many magazines can you read about the, the bullet? Well, go back to understanding shot placement. And, and so what we try to do is we try to say, here's the fundamentals in science and math and history that you can build on. And we don't do TTPs. So yeah. what we do is we offer those up to you. And now you can either uh, 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 integrate them into your program or change or modify your program uh, and create your own TTPs. I don't know what you do in Brisbane, Australia. I, I, I don't know in Frankfurt, Germany, what the tasers are like and what the, the, the bar fights are like. So I'm not going to come in there and direct you and, and, and write your program for it. What we're going to do is we're going to say, this is how humans behave. This is the, you know, pre-event indications. Here's how intent will manifest itself. And man, you're the expert on the ground. So that's where we try to stay in our lane. And not a lot of people do that. And you know that you run into those folks. Let me, let me tell you something right there is because when you teach a civilian, the reason they absorb so much information 
is because they're not stuck on an SOP. They're not mm-hmm. stuck on a policy development. Amen. Now, when you look at an SOP, yes, you can have people have the ground truth developing the SOP. And yes, they could be a standard SOP, but when standard operation, uh, standard operating procedures. Now, when you turn SOPs into policy and you're getting all these people to approve it, whether it's a department, feds, state, local, military, whatever, it goes through so many different processes. And by the time it gets to the approval rate, it could be anywhere from like, you know, a month to a year. Yep. Things may have changed. You may have lessons learned. And then to go back into an, do an amendment or do anything else, you got to go through another process. Right. You, you, you cannot be stuck in the past and you can't be stuck in the present because the present can change the future. That was kind of cool, but hey, but that's what, but you know what I mean? Yeah. No, no and, that's and, a sound bite right there. Yeah. That was and, beautiful. And you, you know, you're, you're getting into, that's why we don't really get into TTPs or if they're ones that we do we can't. talk about, it's because they're, they work in anywhere. I mean, that you, you brought up shooting is always a great example. You know, everyone loves doing like the CQB type shooting and it's sexy and it's fun and it's cool. And then it's like, okay, this is how you do it this way. And then now there's vehicle CQB. It's like, um, okay, so now it's going to change. And it's now, now there's a shooting in elevators. I'm going to teach you elevator CQB. It's like, wait a minute. Like if you can't boil this down to the basic tenants that I can use in a number of situations, um, you're, you're, I have to learn 37 different ways to do something like that. Yeah. That's, that's so inefficient as a process and doesn't allow me to just use core fundamentals that I can apply in a multitude of situations. That's what we stick to. What are, what are the core concepts that you get really, really good at? You use them anywhere. Like I, you know, I, people come up to me and they're like, not only are they better at their job or better at seeing certain things or identifying prevent indicators or, 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 you know, making arrests or doing finding more on surveillance, whatever it is. They're like, yep. Hey, like I, I communicate and understand my, my wife and my children better. Like, yeah, you get it. This is, a, this is a universal human skill set, right? I, you can use the same thing if, if, if it's touched or influenced by a human being, right? There are certain things you can learn about that, right? That are going to be in, advantageous to you in every single situation. And the feedback loop is essential. So yeah. uh, uh, early on combat hunter, uh, uh, it was to address uh, sniper situations, uh, again, IEDs and insider threats, but very first with snipers. Third Marine was taking a lot of hits. Uh, they called me into a place called the Infantry Immersive Trainer, said, do your brand of sorcery. Uh, that's where I first met Brian, met a bunch of the, the snipers there, uh, came up with a great counter sniper plan to go into Iraq on the ground and hunt down the Juba teams. And it worked. And so then all of a sudden the, the Marine Corps goes, hey, there's got to be an architecture there that can work on these other things. So that developed. Now, uh, not a few months later, when the Marine Corps said, "Well, we'll never be in Afghanistan," so you, you know that's a different mission. Uh, the the you know the commandant comes up to me and goes, "Hey, you still got a backpack?" and sends me to Afghanistan. What do you think it was like hunting Juba in urban terrain, and then all of a sudden going out to a place that was farmlands? I'm in Nebraska, and the snipers are taking these long shots into convoys, and the bombs are in culverts. Well, if your training program doesn't fit Lithuania and Mexico and downtown Detroit, then broom it because it's worthless. You have to have something that's genetic and DNA based and everybody immediately gets it. And the only barrier that we've ever had was language. And through a Terp translator, we've taught in 53 countries. So that's not a barrier. You know, there's no culture that immediately threw it down and said, yet we don't understand this. It's not going to work. And the great thing is when you teach a kid, a kid's going to get better. So you're teaching fly fishing principles. That the more they use those principles, they get better. So we don't sit there and, and hold your hand through these situations and fish for you. We show you, you know, turn over a rock, understand the etymology. Uh, uh, hey, tented wings are different than a bead head. Hey, how do you want to do this in the wind? And how do you roll cast? And once you've got those basics, then you grow. You have to grow in your environment because I'm not going to be able to, to hold your hand the entire time. And that's learning. And you mentioned it, Jason, that's skill transfer. I'll give you the skill. I'll give you the tools to grow the skill. Then it's up to you to build that that uh, into, you know, uh, Jason Doe martial arts or whatever you want to do with it. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very cognizant of the martial arts community because I am really the epitome of tier one operator. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> the, uh, the thing is opening someone's mind and getting yeah. out of it. Yeah. You know, what do we always say in the infantry? It was always like, you know, the difference between an infantry platoon and like a tier one operator is just doing the battle drills and doing the same ones and, and doing them 
over and over until you're an expert at it. it I mean, there's different, believe me, battle drills are completely different um, yep. every time as you modify them and as you look at them differently. But opening your mind and looking at things differently. I mean, we talked before about the sound bites, you know, the, the, the sound bite of being on the news. You know, back in the day when I used to do the news, I became a soundbite. And I, that's what that's how I created the Protectors Podcast because I'm like, exactly. you know what? You need conversations. You can't be a soundbite. You can't just keep focused on one side of the equation. You have to open your mind when you're looking at different locations. And you guys do mobile training. That's what's really cool. I want to get into the business model yeah, and sure. training available. But the thing is getting into these different locations. New York City is different than L.A. You know, Miami is different than, you know, D.C. But then urban, suburban, and rural America is different throughout the whole states. So let's get into the type of training you're bringing out there. You know, let's talk civilians. You know, I always talk law enforcement and military, and it's all great for them. But civilians, I want to know what civilians can get out of this and what they're looking for. Yeah, and I'll start off just with something very simple. Everybody has a frequency. Every human being on the face of the planet has a frequency. A newborn baby has a frequency. Uh, as a matter of fact, when, when you hear the rooster crow in the morning or you hear the birds chirp just before dawn, that's a frequency. And they emit that frequency. So bugs know to get started and flowers know to start opening up. The sun is on its way. So if you take a look at those frequencies, my job for the rest of my life is to tune in to Jason FM. And make sure that I keep turning those dials so I hear you clearly. Because the biggest problems that occur with humans are between humans, not technology, and technology isn't going to solve them. It's being able to take a look at the person in front of you, understand how full their cup might be, and communicate with them in a fashion where you can establish trust and uh, you can de-escalate in the moment. Life is a de-escalation. From the earliest man on the face of the planet, it was de-escalating the situation to uh, uh, gain the most out of the rest of your team so you could accomplish a mission. And whether that was taking down a saber-toothed tiger or having a baby or you know uh, building a, a fire pit or whatever it was. So we're in that same game today. But what's happened is all this technology has retarded our ability to actually take a look at our surroundings and go, Hey, uh, you know, we, we've spent so much time saying, yeah, I want a number three into a clown's mouth that we don't understand all the things that went into building that situation. So now where are we susceptible? We're susceptible at the drive-in. Where are we susceptible? We're susceptible in a school. Why? Because we go to the same school every day and we check the F out. You get what I'm trying to say? So we repeat these behaviors and we abandon uh, 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 or have gone far enough away from our survival selves that we forgot how to deal with them. So what we focus on is the critical thinking necessary that comes from uh, sense-making and problem-solving. So everything is frequency-based. The world is screaming at you. You just have to tune into those signals and go, wow, that's a signal for fear. Why is this person in fear? What's happening in their environment that's changing the atmospheres? Um, that is a love signal. It's based on oxytocin. I'm reading that. Why would that person be flirting with me in this context? If you break it down that simply, then life becomes this, this ice cube tray. And yeah, the water spills kind of into each different one. So it's not that clean. But at the end of the day, you can read frequencies and that helps you read people and you can de-escalate any situation. And, and this whole thing about duty to intervene those are cop terms, de-escalation and duty to intervene. No, they're human terms. That's how the earliest humans had to get along. I've got a club. You've got a bone. I want that, that clamshell that I can turn into a fishing lure. And we have to be able to negotiate those things. So duty to intervene is when, you know, Ugluck and Mukhtar came in and tried to screw things up. And I had to say, hey, I got it from here, you know, and I stepped in. And de-escalation was when we were all bumping chest because I want that stegosaurus flank. And somebody came in and said, hey, wait a minute. Let's split it down the middle and add some grain and it'll go further. And it became Stegosaurus Helper. That's the kind of shit that we teach because that's how you step off the X. Because if not, your entire life is standing on the X waiting for that meteor to come in or waiting for that dangerous situation to occur. That's no way to live. So we're not hypervigilant. We teach people to think their way out of situations. They used to do the color coded. Remember that? Oh, you got to be in condition yeah. this, condition that, condition yeah. this. Yeah. But the thing, the problem with that is, you're saying, okay, I'm going to downtown DC because I always yep. say DC because I live out there. I'm going to go immediately into to Code Orange. I'm going to be ready to go. Blah blah blah. I walk out my house today. There's a car parked down the road. 
something doesn't seem right, that is frequencies. The birds exactly. chirping differently. You know, my yep. dogs bark. I mean, it could be my dogs are going crazy. My dog has different frequencies. When yep. my dog is barking, when when anybody's coming to the door, it is nuts. Both dogs are crazy. A dog walking down the road, a different bark. There's different things. Stir in the middle of the night, the dog yep. barks a little bit different. Different. I like how you're saying the different frequencies. It's and when you're on a road, and you you know. Because you've been driving for a long time, like me, if I look and I see a car and I see the guy's head shift, I know he's going to not use his blinker and he's going to pull into my lane. Precisely. You're aware. It's not always, you know, um, my hand is going to shift a little bit. I'm going to be ready to draw on fire. No, it's, hey, you know what? You just got to be prepared. You got to understand the situations you're getting into. And when you're talking about duty to intervene, yes, law enforcement does have it. But you as a civilian... If you have the tools and capability, or you just have the capability to be a great witness, know what your availability is of the tools that you have on hand. A lot of people don't realize that if something's going on, maybe the best thing they could do is be a great witness. Get the cell phone out, Mm -hmm. take some pictures, call 911. It doesn't necessarily have to be like draw a fire, engage, and move the cover, you know? Yep. And, yep. and you brought up a good point, actually, about the whole, you know, Cooper's color codes and these th- and people take this stuff too far. Is this this yep. is some sort of state between this many heartbeats and, you know, you, you're this is what that fall. And it, that's not what was meant by any of this. Even that was people trying to make sense of it and put words to to some sort of physiological or psychological arousal. And that that's fine. Uh, and, and maybe that helps us understand it, but that that's not how life works. Right. You're you're no story ever starts jason with with the so there i was i had a great night's sleep i got up i did my <laughs> workout i had a wonderful breakfast and i'm standing there drinking my cup of coffee and i'm watching yeah. the situation nothing happens like that that's not when it occurs why because that you that's when you're at your most alert automatically and and the thing is unconscious awareness is far faster and far easier to do um, than you actively trying to, you know, look for things in your environment. Now, you need to have a little bit of training to, to understand how to look for things, how to dis, uh, uh, observe anomalies or incongruent behavior. But the problem is a lot of people try to boil it down or they pass off, oh, here's this checklist, or these are some things you need. It's like, no, that, that works for that specific situation. And if I ever run into that specific situation, there it is for me. But it's not going to be like that. I need to understand how to break down the elements of an attack, an ambush, uh, uh, whatever the situation is, or a negotiation. And I can need to be able take those elements and spread them all out and see them in any environment to go, hey, that could mean this next time because I saw that over here one time and it led to this. And and trying to be proactively doing that constantly is is it's exhausting and it's it's unsustainable. And it leads to what's called a non-event feedback loop where you just condition yourself to think you're stay vigilant, nothing ever happens, you never see anything. Well, as long as I stay in the state, I won't. Well, and you'll you'll stop seeing things. You'll actually miss things in your environment. Right. So just being present in that moment, like you're talking about and understanding I'm looking for incongruent behavior in in my environment. And then I have to figure out what to do with that. What does that mean? So what? You know, like you could give a great example of the guy driving, the person looking over. Okay. Yep. I should probably take my foot off the gas and get a little distance because he's going to come over without signaling. He's going to jump. You can tell by someone who's driving whether they're lost or not. You've We've all seen that before. So what do you do with that? Well, you're going to want to back off. You're going to want to go around. You're going to want to make a decision. So, so that's with everything, right? And, and that's everything we do is obviously about predictive analysis. What's likely going to happen next? So you can make an informed decision sooner. So you're not waiting. You're not going around and it's not react to this. And when this happens, I'll do this. And when this happens, it's like, all right, so you're just going to wait you know, you're going to walk out your house and wait till something happens and react to it. Sounds like, uh, sounds like maybe not the best plan of discovery learning through life. You know what I mean? Uh, so, 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 sorry, so let's talk ahead. about, no, no, it, it's spot on, Brian. And, and, and Jason, let's talk about a civilian example of duty to intervene. So folks don't think this is just for military and just for police. Look, I'm, I'm known as the pioneer of situation awareness for humans. Okay. Not for computers. And, and what do people most steal from me? Situation awareness. Why? Because it's easy and it's the first one on the list. Stop with the situation awareness because I'll give you two examples where it won't help at all. Uh, number one, duty to intervene. You've got a kid that's a teenager that's in school and he's on the computer late at night, but you haven't gone in to see the type of sites that he's watching. And guess what? He gets hooked up with some band 
that is now sextorting them, saying, hey, uh, uh, I'm a girl, pay, send this photo, or I'm a boy, send this photo. And now they're saying, hey, I've got all your computer lists, and I'm going to send it to your classmates and everybody else. And then the kid, because the kid feels that they can't talk to anybody, can't do anything about it, ends up committing suicide. It happened a week ago, right? You look in your news, happened a month ago, it happened two years ago, everywhere it's happening. Why? Because do we intervene as a parent? I don't want to talk about you sending uh, uh, sex pics to other people in your class. It's hard for me to say that you're aroused at this age group and that these things titillate you and would get you into trouble. We have to stop that. The duty to intervene is parent or peers or uh, you know somebody that, that that you trust in your situation that that uncle or priest or copper that can come in and help you off that ledge. We don't do that as a society. I'll give you one more. The 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 grands when they were here are part of this thing where you figure out your family tree. I guess when you're getting closer to death, that's one of the things that's really huge because my <laughs> brother Brian's doing it the same way. Well, do you know what, folks? Uh, uh, duty and intervene. There's scams associated with that because you're giving up where you live, who your parents are, what your date of birth is, all these other things. And that's all the people need to start their own websites and bank. And now they're calling you and trying to extort you for money. I'm not saying life is a scam. Life is wonderful. I have an amazing life. But you know what? I use those frequencies that are out there to avoid and mitigate danger. And that's the thing. Everything in the world is danger or opportunity. And I want to know before it happens so I don't have to drive on that freeway. I can take the exit. I can pull over at the rest stop and let that that uh, crazy driver go out ahead of me. And that's not what we're doing. What we're doing is building gates and fences and up armoring our stuff and getting a higher capacity magazine. Uh, listen, uh, that type of reaction it's not going to stop all threats. So the greatest thing is learn how to think your way out of those situations. And that's our architecture. What we teach with the basic course that we teach for anybody, the most basic white level user course, let's call it, is three days. Why? Because in those three days, you have to show up to the course and understand what the problem is. Then once you understand what the problem is, we have to be able to categorize and build an architecture for how you think. Because guess what? Humans don't think the way that you think you do. And once you understand that there's limitations to human performance and that your eye and your brain can lie to you, you can get out of that situation. And then the last day is all practical application from, from the afternoon of the second day to the graduation on the third day. You're using it. You're, you're using this newly minted skill in real situations that you're likely to encounter. So whether you're a new mom or whether you work in HR or you work at a bank or, or you know, you clean up at the hotel that's down the street. The idea is building that fundamental architecture for being able to sense make, predict problems before they occur, and then come in there and problem solve that. That's critical thinking. What's advanced critical thinking? The more you do it, the better you get at it because your brain learns. And so we're helping you train your individual brain. And for every human that attends a course, that might be a different cue or, or something different that makes it sticky. And that's why it takes a little while. And you know what? Is it expensive? Yeah, it's expensive, but it ain't more expensive than a, a new pair of tactical boots for your kit <laughs> or for that new gosh damn knife that you're going to buy. You know, how whoa, many gun, gun hey. are out there with whoa. Okay. okay. Well, you know what I'm talking about, Jason. But, you know, people go, hey, we don't have that in our budget, but we are training, you know, to this new uh, light source, uh, intermittent laser nonsense. I think tech is grand. I'm just saying measure that with your enthusiasm for building this. The most important thing on the battle space is that six inches well, between your ears. Believe me, you hit up a comp. Uh, one thing I'm very positive about, one thing I know for sure is that the name protector is gone beyond law enforcement and military. Absolutely. Yes. When you bring up the civilian applications to this, the civilian world are now their own protectors, protectors of their family, protectors of their house, their castle. Now, when we, when you talk about the same type of training and then you put law enforcement into it, you guys tailor make your law enforcement courses for the jurisdictions you go to. I know this because I talked to like different people like that is because you have to think about the policies and not just policies, but being backed by their agency, but also the media optics of where you're going, all of this stuff adds up to that split microsecond that you're going to have to make a decision. And when you make a decision, a million things go through your mind as a law enforcement officer. And one of them is, am I going to be sued? Am I going to lose my job? Is my family going to lose their house? And probably in there is, yeah, I'm going to die. Or I could right. die. 
But all these other things are in there too. Before it was like fight or flight, I'm going to live or they're going to die. But now it comes out to, oh my gosh, if I pull my gun, if I just pull my gun, I have to fill out a report. I got to do this. I got to do that. What if I just pull out my ASP? Well, if I do that, then is it considered use of force? What if I just talk to them? What if I try to use just soft techniques? But you're going up against a belligerent someone who has the drop on you because you're already hesitating. That is that is critical when you're talking about training yeah. and talking about developing your mind. The academy for most law enforcement can be anywhere from what? 12 to 18 to 24 weeks. Yep. And in there is law, law, law. In there is like, you know, touchy-feely stuff but for two days, which is great. But it's more of like mental health is not in there. Maybe they'll throw a day or two in that in there. Um, cognitive abilities? No. All you're right. going to do is going to do some scenarios. Shoot, don't shoot. Shoot, don't it's, shoot. Yeah. And it becomes very uh, procedural. And it's almost as if, you know, we're going to put you through these scenarios and, you know, you get to pick from a menu. Okay. Given this situation, you have option one, mm-hmm. a under a, you have subset, you know, one, two, and three, but as you know, that's not how life is. And so we're, 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 we're it's become so procedurals and it's all about uh, tactics, techniques, and procedures and what's approved and what isn't what you should do in this situation is that people are already coming in. Like you said is, okay, what do I do if this happens? What do I do if it, and we're like, okay, slow time down, hit rewind on this video. It's like, there's a ton of these video breakdowns out there. And I, and just in my opinion, they're mostly terrible and they all yep. start with what, okay, here's when that happens. And you're like, Whoa, hang on, man. Like mm-hmm. why, what was the reason you approached this vehicle? What was the reason you made this decision here? If you, you could have told this, you, 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 maybe you would have noticed this here and realized, ah, this is one of those situations I either need to back up or get some backup here because this is already escalating now and we haven't even made contact. And our whole thing is about thinking your way out of the situation and how to get left of bang and how to give yourself the gift of time and distance, right? That's the whole point of this is it's critical thinking. And, and like you said, we don't, it's all reaction. It's react to this, react to this, react to that. And, you know, everything changes with TP. TTPs. And, you know, I, I was talking to even, you know, Todd Fox about this. He came out to our course. He's awesome. He's been on your show. And, you know, he's like, he's unbelievable what he does. And he does a lot of stuff specifically with law enforcement. He's real into jujitsu, but really, really applied in the law enforcement setting. And he's incredible. He knows the law and all that stuff. He's a total subject matter expert. And it's like, well, but just a few years ago, it was, hey, mobility is survivability survivability don't ever go to the ground and now it's well everything's going to go to the ground it's like mm-hmm. well it will if you have that attitude like you know i mean I, we, we create right. our own okay i gotta pause right there the best the best memes and this is kind of getting off topic yeah. is now every time <laughs> every time there's like a someone making fun of bjj it's like all of a sudden like you're in the you're in the field and they go automatically they go to the ground like a cop. <laughs> yeah. you know, and they try to do it like it's like exactly. when someone says something it's like you know you're you're the little brother. Remember like when you're yep. the little brother and you get on the ground, you just kind of kick your brothers. Yeah. Like, stay back. But no, it's true. When you're going into these different situations and you brought up a, a key word, a key word is backup. You know, I just took a trip out to South Carolina and I, I went to visit some small police agencies out there. One, maybe two people covering a town during yep. a shift. You're your own backup. And that that's that that's transcends everything nowadays. Mm-hmm. You know, granted the military, you could have massive backups. You know, um, in NYPD, they call the blue wall or the blue brother or something like that. When something happens, every cop in the city will be there. But if you're out in the middle of nowhere and you're for one a civilian, you are your own backup. Yeah. You are. You're going to call the top and you're in. That changes your decision. Jason, it's it's the gift of time and distance. So first of all, Mm -hmm. coming from major metropolitan uh, police agency and then uh, coming to a mid-level agency in Colorado and then having to deal with uh, Gunnison and Hinsdale County where the elk outnumber the humans. Okay. Uh, The difference isn't just that you have no backup. Backup is an hour and 45 minutes away under ideal circumstances. It's also that you have to handle every aspect of the case. You're writing the affidavit affidavit for the arrest warrant. You're writing the the report and then testifying in court and following the evidence and, you know, safeguarding the the, 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 uh, chain of custody. You're doing it all. So now you've got all of those external stressors that are around you. You're dealing with a vehicle that's probably seen better life uh, because it's a hand-me-down from another police agency. You know, some of the gear that you're carrying, you have to buy. 
So it's to get mm-hmm. the time and distance. You know what you find out? You find out that communicating with people is a lot easier than shooting them. And, and that backing out of a situation and allowing a person uh, to save face is a lot better than going into the bar with that asp and just start swinging for the fences. The idea is police work has changed. Uh, uh, humans are the same humans. But guess what? There's a whole different thing going on inside of their head where they're like, yeah, I know it's a law, but I really don't believe in the way that it's being applied in this situation. And, and you're sitting there and the person's taking the video with their phone and they're saying, this is the truth, you know, not this thing that's happening right in front of me. So what you have to do is you have to get the two training and education. Look, would you go to an ophthalmologist uh, uh, for a procedure on surgery in your eye that hasn't had training in the last 10, 12, 15 years? Would you go to that old country doctor that doesn't know how to you know, do some stint for some heart thing? The idea is that we try to call ourselves a profession in law enforcement. Guess what? We don't want to keep the professional standards. And now it's a pendulum. Well, you know what's going to get out of this? Policy. If we write better policies, we're going to have better cops are on the street. Now, training's the answer. Training changes behavior. And, and the idea of us using a light and siren to get to a place quicker to die is ridiculous. And we got to come off that X, too. No situation. Uh, very few situations. My kids choking an officer down in front of me. Very few of those situations are going to have me uh, uh, re- react more irrationally. And what did we learn from combat on those? What did the Marines learn from the house from hell? Let's keep sending people into the breach until, you know, there's 10 times the number of injured and then we'll finally get the person. No, there's a better way. Humans love to communicate. They want to tell you their story. We got to just back off a little bit and and stop pressing so hard. And that once, look, as a hostage negotiator, I would come in in any situation that I was where the person was armed, I'd say, give me 60 seconds and I'll change the trajectory of life. And the person would go, yeah, I already kind of got that because I got a gun in my mouth. And I go, yeah, but if you take that gun out and give me 58 seconds, I can change what's going to happen tonight. And he goes, yeah, but if I pull the trigger, you know what we're doing? We're communicating. He wasn't communicating before I got there. And now I got him talking. And the more I got him talking, the less he's shooting and the less like he's going to shoot himself. That's humans. We can figure out other humans and we're really good at it. It's just we haven't used those skills in a while. Okay, Greg, I got you right there. I got there you. Because you, you brought up, I'm going to backtrack to the, the yeah. 30 minutes ago when you brought up technology, yeah. you brought up the fancy lasers, the dots on guns, this and that yep. and everything else. Tools are great. It's great to have the proper tools. If I have put a red dot on my pistol, maybe I'll shoot better. Um, you're going to put on some some optics on a rifle. You can shoot farther because you can see farther. They're tools. Yeah. But human be- talking to someone is the biggest, the best tool you have. Yep. Amen. It's applicable in almost every situation, almost every situation. And believe me, there are situations where you do have to shoot first mm-hmm. and then later on you're going to answer some questions. But overall, having that demeanor to be able to talk to every different person based on who they are, what their background is, is different. Every we know, like I talk to you guys a lot different than I talk to someone, right? You know, you know, one of my buddies or my brother. I'm always like, when my yep. brother, I'm like, bro. But like, you know, with you guys, it's like this. I know we're going to be talking about this. We're going to be talking about that. Similar backgrounds here and there. But when you're going into a bar and some guy might be slightly intoxicated, some lady might be slightly intoxicated. Yep. You amp up. They amp up. Everybody amps up. You're the. You don't have backup, and there's two or three people you're talking to. You're not going to lower your defenses. You're not going to bow down to them, but you're going to have a different type of way to talk to them. It is something that's learned, but it's learned through experience and, it's, and it can be learned through training, putting people in these scenarios, getting them used to opening their mouth. We we do rely a lot on technology. Right. Communication is different now. It's a little short bursts with text and everything. Yeah. Talking to people is key. Exactly you know, right. you're first on the job or even a civilian. You know, civilians have the option you can avoid conflict. A lot of times you can speak, don't amp up the road rage, drive away, yeah. hit the brakes, get out of there. Law enforcement, you don't have that opportunity. You don't have the access. You can't just disengage when things just don't feel right. I mean, you can, but, you know, a lot of times you have that duty to intervene. So, yeah, I really like the idea of this training. I really want to take a training with you guys because now, now that I'm not, now that I am a full civilian, it's different. I don't have the luxury of having a badge. Right. Not that it's a luxury, but yeah, I don't I don't have that that ability to 
you know, I'm now full bona fide civilian. Uh, Jason, I'm Jason, actually me, one. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to send you uh, info for our Liberty University course. It's in Virginia yeah, uh, next month. If you're, if you're, if you're around, but I'll send you the info. They, it, let, let me throw one at you. Uh, Brian and I uh, uh, know of a case, let's say without attribution, uh, guys in his house, uh, guy in a ninja style motorcycles going up and down the street, racing up and down, racing up and down. Guy gets pissed, goes out. Uh, uh, all of a sudden you hear some noise out in the street and he comes back in the house and he sets the gun down in front of his wife at the kitchen table and says, you need to call the police and I need a lawyer. What happened in those few seconds uh. outside is the situation accelerated. There was a gun involved. That seemed like the right solution at the time. And now when we relax and we're thinking about it, it was not the right solution. Civilians need the training. Because something that is going to seem like the most important life-changing event that's right in front of you right now isn't. And tomorrow, even 9-11, the day after, you could go and buy an Arby's and there was TV shows on and I could go and get gas in my car. And as horrible as that was, that those thousands of people died, the sun came up in the east and set in the west. And that's the shit that we try to think about is that you can prioritize your life and your family, the same training that I would use executing a high-risk felony search warrant is the same stuff that I use when I get gas at the 7-Eleven or when I go to church. I mean, it has to be. And and so that's why, as a civilian, you need it more probably than some of those operators. And Jason, you know that your skills atrophy the longer you're not on the mat, too. So, you know, I mean, you're only as good as the last training event that you went to. Mm -hmm. We'd love to see you cool thing about a place like Liberty is not only do we associate with the academic higher education stuff, but it's free to LE first responders, courts, corrections. Uh, uh, so that's our way of giving back. Uh, and, and also, you know, Brian and I have our, our, our book that's coming out and you're going to be on the, the leading edge of that because both of us have your book and we love it. Uh, uh, the, 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 the idea uh, is the book that we built isn't all this war story horse shit. Uh, it's a textbook. It's how to. How do you put these things together? How do you mix your paint before you put it on a wall? Do you need a primer? You know, how, what kind of spatula is best to fill that that nail hole? But we just do it in the guise of human performance, human behavior, and uh, cognition. Uh, so we're excited about that as well. And uh, I just want to tell you, it's great to be on your show because you talk about the stuff that really matters. And I know you probably can't tell, but we get excited about that. We love <laughs> to talk about that topic. Uh, you know me, I could talk. I think we're going to make this into a part two. I think I really need to come back on. I want to talk more about the law enforcement applications. I also do want to talk about integrating this type of training into like the protectors foundation, getting some training out there to these small love departments it. out there. Yeah, There's so much more that you need in training than it's just with a firearm there is so much more i mean fire i believe me i love it i love shooting i shoot all oh, the yeah. time competition everything else like that but but there's so much more to opening your mind than just pulling the trigger so gentlemen i appreciate you coming on arcadia cognorati um let me get that website out there I'm, i pull it up that's really easy ArcadiaCognorati.com. Yeah. And we'll, you, we'll have links. If you can, to you. I would say you're going to want to follow that link. If you can spell that's it. That's the first hardest thing in the course, I think, right? It's, it's, I don't know. You know, I could probably do Alpha, Romeo, Charlie, Alpha, Delta, India, Alpha, uh, Charlie, Oscar, Golf, November, Echo, Romeo, Alpha, Tango, India.com. Boom. Yeah, I'm yeah. ready to go. I'm fire mission. Fire mission. That's the thing that's learning that <laughs> and then how to say human behavior pattern recognition and analysis is the most difficult thing you have to oh, learn. Oh, there's not a mechanism. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs>